Good morning. So earlier on this week, I wondered about how Father's Day and Juneteenth and our various scripture lessons for the day were going to come together to form a sermon. And then the shooting at St. Peter, uh, St. Stephen's Episcopal Church outside Birmingham, Alabama happened. Now, when I've preached on this gospel lesson before, I've focused on Jesus taking his disciples into foreign territory. We don't hear this part because it's right before this, but he has just calmed a storm when they all thought they were going to die, and now he's taken them to a place where they've never been, a place where people are different, where they are other, and there's certainly a lot to say about that. But today, there are two other verses in this passage that jump out at me. The first is, and they were afraid. And the second is, they were seized with great fear. So I think maybe we need to talk about fear today. I think fear is something that many of us are way too familiar with. So three years ago, the American Psychological Association surveyed more than 2,000 people about their levels of stress just days after back-to-back -back mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton, Ohio. And the findings of that study describe the toll of seemingly ceaseless random violence. A third of the respondents said they would no longer go to certain public places for fear of becoming a casualty of a mass shooting. And almost as many said they could not go anywhere without worrying about being shot. A quarter said they had made changes in their lives due to the fear of a mass shooting. Two-thirds of parents said they lived in fear of their children becoming victims of a mass shooting. And almost three-quarters of the people said the possibility of mass violence had added stress to their lives. The assaults on the psyches of we American people have only intensified since then with a, a two-plus-year pandemic that's taken over a million lives in the U.S. alone, street battles in the struggle for racial justice, a war in Ukraine that has renewed fears of a nuclear conflict, a roller coaster economy, an insurrectionist riot at the U.S. Capitol, visibly worsening effects of climate change, and many more mass shootings. Many more. And all that was followed by the massacre three weeks ago of 19 children and two adults in a Texas elementary school just 10 days after the slaughter of 10 black shoppers and workers at a Buffalo supermarket. Experts say the unrelenting developments are taking a toll on our mental and physical health and how we interact as a society. Oh, and then there's also spiritual health. And the places we expect to be safe and sacred are churches, 
our schools. They feel dangerous and vulnerable sometimes. And people are scared and literally afraid for our own lives and for the lives of our families and friends and neighbors. I think that probably most of you know that St. Stephen's in Birmingham is where our own Bishop Russell Kendrick was rector for eight years before becoming bishop here in the Central Gulf Coast. And he came directly from there to here. And those three dear souls who were murdered were not simply fine Christian people and precious children of God. They were close, personal, beloved friends of Bishop Russell's. Now, obviously, I believe everyone is a close, personal, beloved friend or spouse or parent or daughter or son of someone as well as a precious child of God. But this event at St. Stephen's brings this so close to home for many of us that we can feel it not only in our hearts and souls and minds, but in our gut. I feel it right here. And it hurts. God, it hurts. And I'm hurting for Russell and for several other colleagues and friends in ministry who've served there. And I'm angry and confused and frustrated and wondering, like I'm sure many are, when will this madness and violence end? Or maybe even wondering if it ever will end. And there's the obvious question, so where is God in all of this? And haven't so many of us raised our fists to the heavens and cried, God, if you're up there, can't you do something about this? How does a God of love allow this to keep happening? I shared a few weeks ago, if some of you remember, about the profound theological concept that we find in the bumper sticker that says, stuff happens. It's a reminder that our God is not some puppet master God who sits up in the clouds orchestrating everything by pulling the puppet strings. I know we all wish God would do that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, particularly when things are really going wrong, like now, like this week. I just wish sometimes God would just take over and, and take the guns away from people who are using them to murder people and protect our grocery shoppers and our church members and our children in school. And while you're at it, God, would you stop the war and end the racial violence and cure the diseases and restore the health of the earth and just help everybody get along for God's sake? So, before you suspect or maybe are already convinced that I've totally gone off the rails, I want to say that I'm voicing all this because I believe it's where so many people are, so many people of strong, solid faith. I understand. I get it. And I know God gets it too. And I think God's heart is broken, too. 
So what are we to do? Certainly seems like maybe the easiest thing is just to hide in the safety of our homes and shield ourselves from the world. But I don't believe that's the right thing to do. Praying for safety and peace and healing and protection for all of God's people is a great place to start. And taking care of ourselves on a day-to-day basis is also very important. So do things like exercise and pray and meditate and, and breathe and for God's sakes avoid watching too much news. Walk, call someone you love, eat vegetables and fruit, journal, tell someone you love them, invite a friend for a cool drink, watch Ted Lasso, make an appointment with your therapist, pray, breathe, pray, breathe. It's often said by some that being political is contrary to our role as followers of Jesus. That's just not true. Being politically partisan is very different than being active in the political process. And we all have much work to do in the public arena. We are citizens not only of the kingdom of God, but of the United States, and it is our civic as well as our religious duty to vote for candidates who we believe will work for a just and peaceful community and nation and to work with our elected officials to do our part in making a more just and peaceful community and nation. It takes all of us working together. So this morning, right now, the people of St. Stephen's have gathered together to worship and pray like they always do on Sundays. They've gathered, they're singing, they're hearing the scriptures read, they're praying, they're celebrating Eucharist, they're crying, they're leaning on each other, they're simply being present with their siblings in Christ. Doesn't that sound like the right thing to do? So, Let's us send our best and deepest prayers and intentions to them. And let's us do the same. Gather and and sing and hear the scriptures read and pray and celebrate Eucharist. Lean on each other and simply be with each other. And pray along with St. Francis that Jesus will make each and every one of us instruments of his peace. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, 
And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.